0: The 2019 season has been marred by injuries at the quarterback position. I'll just name a few. Ben Roethlisberger. Drew Brees. Andrew Luck. Although I don't know for sure if Andrew Luck was injured. But that's a story for a different day. Matt Stafford has missed games. Nick Foles broke a collarbone. Patrick Mahomes dislocated a kneecap. Cam Newton has a problem with his foot. Case Keenum, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon. Oh, hey guys, Colin Kaepernick's still out there. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Today is November 14th. It is about 3 o'clock p.m., just so you know where I'm at with the information that's available. Today I'll be joined by my friend as... Every week I am joined by my friend Corey Wilkerson. You can find him on Twitter at Wilkiewonkaff and my name's Tony Dyer. You can find me on Twitter at Commissioner Mr. Everybody already has seen or should have seen, that the NFL's having an open practice for Colin Kaepernick a workout, and they're inviting the rest of the league to come and watch him practice or work out, I guess. The problem is the whole thing's a joke. It's a setup. The NFL is well aware of what's going on with the quarterback situation in the league. They see that quarterbacks are getting promoted from the practice squad. Some of them have played. And Colin Kaepernick for years now has said that he's working out and he's game time ready. He's ready to play. He wants to play. He's paying people to make sure that he can play football. He's doing the work. Whether you like him or not, that's a fact. And he has a legitimate argument against the league for not having any workouts at all. So the league is obliging. Here's what happened. Yesterday, Adam Schefter tweeted that the league was having a workout for Colin Kaepernick on Saturday. That's in like three days from now. Kaepernick's agent said, hey, well, what about Tuesday? There's a lot going on on Saturday. We got a lot of teams In a lot of different places and somebody might be interested and just can't make it can we do Tuesday they said no it's Saturday they said well what about next Saturday then at least we can give an executive time to make plans no it's going to be this Saturday the league said but we'll give you a list of all the teams that are interested that's as Adam Schefter reported that and Colin Kaepernick sent a tweet that validified that validified validated that validified what was that word anyway this whole thing has been set up in a way that that teams won't be available and so the league can say they tried the truth is this is nothing special Colin any relative of Colin Kaepernick's probably already has compiled tape and sent it to an NFL team. It just happened many years ago. It happened when he was in college. This is very normal for coaches and family members to put tape together and to send it out to teams. It's part of the process. So all that the NFL is really doing is doing what has already been done before. And here's what's gonna, here's the result. Colin Kaepernick's not gonna get signed. And so now the league can say that they tried to find Colin Kaepernick a job and that nobody was interested, despite the injuries. It's a joke. I don't think Colin Kaepernick's the answer for probably any situation in the NFL right now. But when you look at what's happened with the Jets, losing Sam Darnold and Trevor Simeon, there's a reasonable argument that Colin Kaepernick belongs in that starting lineup. He's better than a practice squad quarterback, period. So it's a shame. What's happening is a shame. I understand why it's happening, but that's a shame. When you look at all these QBs that have missed games to injury, we haven't even talked about the, the quarterbacks who have lost games just due to being benched. Andy Dalton just got benched. Eli Manning has been benched. That's Interesting. And now Gardner Minshew has been benched for Nick Foles. They paid for Nick Foles. Nick, and to be fair, Gardner Minshew was the backup quarterback. But what's going on with all of this? Because Gardner Minshew looked a lot like a starting quarterback. Corey, what do you think about what's going on with Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew? And what does that quarterback situation look like in Jacksonville moving forward? Well, <clears throat>
1: Like you said, obviously they paid Nick Foles as your starter, so you got to at least bring him back, give him a chance. He hadn't even played with you this year, but Minshew played well. We've talked about it before on podcasts that don't exist anymore. <laughs> it's my fault too, um, but he has played well. He's got a good, decent stat line this year. Uh, but they got to give Nick Foles a shot. And then I, could, I mean, if he comes out and he he's terrible, I could definitely see him throwing Minshew back in. But I think you got to see how they they play their games. They're still in the hunt. So they got to give him a shot. I personally don't believe in Nick Foles that much. He has had success in the league before, really only like three years of success. But regardless, uh, Nick Foles hasn't had a great completion percentage in his career. Um, He's been under – he's 61% for his whole career. The top eight QBs right now in the league that lead in touchdown passes are all 64% and above. So that's when you start looking at that elite tier, 65% and above. His three best years, 2013, he was 64%. Uh, He was a pro bowler that year. That was with Ryan Kelly. That was Ryan Kelly's first year in the league. Offensive, you know, mastermind when he first came in, and that all changed. Wait a minute. You said Ryan Kelly.
0: Did you mean the
1: new coach? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. (laughs) That's who I'm referring to. I like Ryan Kelly. Anyway, I do, too. I'm a Colts fan. Uh, his other good year was in 2016 with the Chiefs. He was 65%. He played only three games. That was with uh, Andy Reid. So, another really good offensive coach. And then, obviously, in 2018, he was 72.3% his best year, went to the Super Bowl MVP as coach was Doug Peterson. He only played five games. So, you're telling me those three seasons are basically what got him his contract. I, I think – The offense with the Jacksonville Jaguars has, they elevated Minshew, and I think in a way he elevated himself because the energy he brings, but he was still only 61% completion percentage. It's not that great. I just don't think he's going to elevate to the point where they start winning more games, so we'll see how it plays out. I think we could still see Minshew before the end of the year again. We will
0: see how it plays out. It's a really interesting situation because the Jacksonville quarterback, it's even though that they went out and paid Nick Foles a bunch of money, Gardner Minshew really muddied that whole situation up. It's gonna be a contest, regardless of the money. I and maybe I agree with you. Nick Foles is the starter, and because of the contract, Nick Foles should be the starter. But when I look at, like you said, his his history, his pro- his productivity in the past, he's not. He's not the quarterback that has to be supplanted. He's a quarterback that can lose his job. I mean, that's just what that is. I totally agree. The good thing for for Nick Foles is that he's coming up against an Indianapolis team that has really had a lot of difficulty recently. They just got routed. It was embarrassing the way that they lost to Miami. You can say it was a missed field goal that kept them from going to overtime. I think there were a lot of other problems. The biggest problem might have been the third-string quarterback, Brian Hoyer. He really is the third string quarterback. They just signed him a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the 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 plan was for Andrew Luck to be the quarterback. That didn't work. So Jacoby Brissett's done a fantastic job and, and is the starting quarterback and should be treated that way and is not a backup quarterback. He's the starter and and will be a starter whether he's playing for the Colts or somewhere else. I mean, if he went anywhere else, he'd be a starter there too. So by default, Brian Hoyer is the third string quarterback. Regardless, it doesn't matter. The Indianapolis Colts lost to the Dolphins, and that's embarrassing. Period. I don't care if I'm the quarterback. They've been crippled with injuries, as the issue is that the Colts have started to deteriorate. And as much as a a fan of, of I am, of Greg Ballard and his ability to get to get players through the draft and through free agency. And he has, I believe, the Colts have a very deep roster. The top of that roster is very injured. Mo Alley-Cox did not practice. Paris Campbell did not practice. Pierre Desir did not practice. Jack Doyle did not practice. T.Y. Hilton did not practice. Jordan Wilkinson did not practice. The Colts are falling apart. There's no way around it. Clayton Gathers was limited, and Darius Leonard was Leonard, was limited. Jacoby practiced in full. I think that there's a chance that the Colts lose another game because of injuries, because the whole team, the whole top end of that team has been devastated. Am I crazy? Corey, what are your thoughts? What happens on Sunday at 1 o'clock when Jacksonville is in Lucas Oil Stadium?
1: Well, I said it last week that there is a chance the Colts fall apart. This could be the beginning of it. Um, obviously Jacoby being back this week's a huge help. Zach Pascal's really come on. He's he's somebody I, I believe in. He can make plays for us. And I would inside I'd rather play Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. I Minshew just brings the energy. I could just see him coming in and lighting us up. With Nick Foles, he could come back, be a little rusty. It's his first game. We're at home. So I do feel a little more confident about that. I think the Colts should get back on track this week, I think, but a loss and now the Cards. Like I said, they could just fall apart and it could be a junk season. But I, I, I still think they can make the playoffs.
0: That's good to hear. There's another team I think can make the playoffs that I actually I'm going to use this as an opportunity to kind of segue to that team because as the Colts are starting to seemingly crumble, the Raiders are surprisingly good. If we look back, Khalil Mack gets traded away. Antonio Brown shows up. Antonio Brown's a real drama queen, distracts the whole team. I almost expected the Raiders to be irrelevant this year just because it seemed like a rebuild. And with a 10 year contract for John Gruden, it seemed like a rebuild that they're totally married to the idea of not being very good this year. It's a long-term plan is what it seems like, but that's not exactly the case. The Raiders are are in the top ten of the league in rushing yards. They're running the ball. They're doing the old school stuff. They're winning football games. Corey, what's going on with the Raiders?
1: They're playing good. Uh, Gruden's got them playing tough. See, I kind I kind of disagree. I thought they'd be better this year. They were four and twelve last year. So on a ten year plan, you want to get better each year. So I I didn't expect him to be that bad. Derek Carr's been playing well. He's having one of his best seasons of his career. Seems like Gruden's got him dialed in. Josh Jacobs has been a stud. A lot of people kind of question whether he'd come in and actually be as dominant as he is. And he's absolutely shown up. Um, I just traded for him in fantasy. I'm happy about that. But, yeah, I expect them to keep making a run here. Their schedule looks pretty favorable. Yeah, it is favorable. I'd already
0: said that they're already the eighth-best team in rushing yards. Maybe I didn't say that. Maybe I said top top half. But they're the eighth-best team in rushing yards. And they're really middle of the pack in every other offensive stat. That's what's interesting, is when I, when I see Antonio Brown in and out of the offense and causing drama and distractions, Tyrell Williams really stepped up in a huge way and filled the hole there's no there's no wide receiver one missing so yeah maybe they're not the most prolific passing offense in the league but that's okay because John Gruden's not he's not this new age coach he's the old school guy he wants a good defense he wants a running game he wants to control the clock and their fav- their schedule is favorable here's what's up the Jets are coming they're gonna win that game the Chiefs are coming They could win that game. That's a game that's winnable. The Chiefs have looked not very Chief-like recently. The Titans are coming. Okay, there's an interesting game because it's going to, I would expect that game to be played on the ground. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chargers, the Broncos. It wouldn't be crazy if the Oakland Raiders didn't lose another game for the rest of the year. I mean, I think they're going to. I think they probably lose to the Chiefs. And the Titans could beat them. I think that's the truth. The Chargers, we don't know what we're going to get. It's either going to be three interceptions like we got last week or it's going to be steamrolled by the Chargers. I don't know what happened last week, but if that continues, Oakland could go undefeated. Not undefeated. I don't mean like couldn't lose a game for the rest of the year. I mean, but when I look at the rest of the schedule, is there anything you're seeing here, Corey? What am I missing? Because yeah,
1: no, 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 you're right. They're they're gonna win some more games, and I'm just looking at the next note here. You got the Steelers, and did you? You said their schedule looks pretty favorable favorable for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so here's what's interesting about that: is the Colts have a better record in both those teams, but we've lost to both of them. So. That makes it for a really interesting playoff race here towards the end. The Colts are going to have to just win in order to make it in. Because if they're tied with either of those two teams or the other two teams in the wildcard hunt, they're not going to get in. So yeah. they, they've got to win games.
0: I agree 100%. I think the Colts have have put themselves at risk of not being in the wild card spot anymore. I, Houston's going to win the division. That's all but decided. It's looking that way. And... We were kind of talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been saying, okay, Houston's the division leader, leader, and Indianapolis is in the wildcard spot. They're out of the wildcard spot. The Steelers have taken the Colts' spot, and you're absolutely right. Steelers' schedule, Browns, Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, Bills, Jets, Ravens. They're going to lose to the Ravens. Outside of that, they're winnable games. The Bills is going to the Bills are going to give them a hard time. The Cardinals are going to make them keep up. But none of these games I'm not looking at these games thinking that the Steelers are in bad in a bad spot. The Colts are getting left behind in this division and the Steelers are taking over despite being on a backup quarterback with injuries at running back with Juju Smith-Schuster underperforming. That's just what he's doing. He's not the Juju that we wanted, which by the way, I saw that coming. When you lose Le'Veon Bell and you lose Antonio Brown, Juju loses, you know, some advantage that he had before. He had a significant advantage in 2018 that he doesn't have anymore. Not saying he's not great. Not saying he's not elite. But it's going to take some time for Juju to get back to the Juju that we saw in 2018 just because the rest of the threads aren't there also. As much as Juju has been a disappointment in fantasy, I want you to take a look at Brian Hill really quick. For all the fantasy guys out there, Brian Hill's a running back for Atlanta. He's a rookie. He got a little less attention this season than, than he maybe should have. I don't know. I didn't know a whole lot about him until recently. Ido Smith's on injured reserve, and Devonta Freeman has an injury. That's probably going to have him out for a couple of weeks. In Week 10, Brian Hill ran the ball 20 times for 61 yards, and he caught a receiving touchdown. I think there's a chance that Brian Hill is a league winner for the fantasy guys. I think there's a chance that you pick him up real cheap if you have now. First of all, if you haven't picked him up, you're not going to get him. But if you picked him up, I think he could win
1: you your league. What do you know about Brian Hill? I don't know anything about Brian Hill. I did dig up some stats though. I'm out of I'm out of crystal balls, so I didn't I, know a lot about <laughs> Brian Hill either. So, so don't I don't know if he's going to win you leagues or not. But like anything else, we're gonna find out. I couldn't I couldn't find any yard after contact stats for his college career. That I think that would have been interesting to find out because a lot of it, with a running back, you want to know what they're creating for themselves. Is it just their O line? Are they are they getting giant holes just running through and then tackled as soon as they touch somebody? Or are they out there creating yards? <clears throat> Another thing too I've heard is. Uh, the most important thing in, in the NFL is a running back who can pass block. So I don't know if there's stats for that, but if he if a running back can't plat, uh, pass block, they're not even going to put him on the field. Um, and I did look at a little bit of his highlights. I'm no film expert or anything, but he did look like he was pretty smart, pretty patient, uh, takes good angles. But I didn't see breakaway speed. His 40 time at the combine was four five four, so he ain't. He ain't Tyree Kill he ain't anywhere close to him. So that might, I just think that could limit his touchdown volume. He's not, he, I just don't think he, he could get close, but I think somebody's going to catch him before he gets there. But I think he can definitely be productive. If he stays as a starter, he can definitely be a workhorse. He's a big guy. He's like 6'1", 220, somewhere in there. Um, And he can be productive. I'm just afraid it's lightning in a bottle. I mean, even last week, he was 20 carries for 61 yards. That's three yards a carry, which isn't that great. He had some big ones, but it sounds like he was getting stuffed on everything else. (sighs) And then, yeah, so I, w- we'll see.
0: Yeah, there's definitely concerns. The offensive line of Atlanta is definitely questionable. Um, it actually is to my disappointment. I thought that Vonta Freeman was going to have a much better year than he did. So, of course, I expect Brian Hill to struggle. I watched some tape, too, and and I see your notes here. I agree with almost every one of them I agreed with. He seems so patient. He's a very patient runner. And his vision, it just – I didn't – I didn't expect to see a guy I'd never heard of so good at seeing the running lane and waiting for it. He waits waits with his blockers, and he runs through the hole, and it's that easy. He does make great cuts, and he does get away. What was interesting is I knew that he had a reputation of being slower, but when I was watching the tape, he got away from guys. I thought he got away. I thought he got some separation, and he had to bully through a couple, and maybe he didn't get... Maybe he didn't get the extra yards that these most elite talents would right. get. But I felt like he didn't leave a whole lot on the table. He didn't he got most of what was available. And multiple times I saw him cut, make a cut that picked him up 10 more yards. So if he's able to do that against NFL level, see that's the problem is when you watch these tape when you watch the tape on these guys from college, is they're playing college defenses. Now they're playing against Stefan Gilmore's, JJ Watts. I mean, now that you're playing against the big dogs, what's how's that going to translate? I don't know for sure, but I'm excited about Brian Hill, and I, I don't think this is the end. I think we're going to be talking about Brian Hill really,
1: really soon. We're going to start talking about him a lot. Give us a prediction, Tony. How many fantasy points next week? Oh, a bunch! I uh, t- uh, fifteen plus. I mean, you
0: start Brian Hill. If Brian Hill is available, you pick him up and you start him, and you start him every week until he's no longer the starting running back because there's no other option. All right, fifteen plus. We'll see. We'll, we'll check it out next week. Brian Hill, fifteen plus. Corey, I've got a note here. New England minus three and a half at Philadelphia. This is this DraftKings. You talking about bets?
1: Yeah, these are bets. Yeah. Okay. Who you got? So yeah, I've, I've got New England minus three and a half in Philadelphia. I'll be honest, I was just listening to Colin Cowherd, and there's an NFL guy on there who said Philly's offense is one of the worst efficient. They're not efficient at all. They're it's terrible offense. And I just New England's gonna. I think they're just gonna steamroll them. I don't think Philly's got a chance there. Uh, Chicago is going to LA. I think that's Sunday night football. The Rams' offensive line is pretty depleted, and the best pass rusher in the league is on the Bears. I've got the Bears plus six and a half. I think that's going to be a really low-scoring game, and I think it's going to be close. I'd I'd say probably like 17-13, something like that. I think Rams still probably win that. but um, I've also got the Jets plus one and a half at Washington. Two bad teams. Washington starting Dwayne Haskins. If you look on Twitter, my pinned tweet right now is Dwayne Haskins will be a bust. That's from draft night earlier this year. Um, Sam Darnold's far more superior than Dwayne Haskins. The Jets are going to win that game. Last one, Arizona at San Francisco. Real quick, I talked about last week, if the 49ers were to lose that Monday night game to the Seahawks, we would question how good they are. But with the way that game went, I think it's, it's pretty clear that they're still a good football team. That was, that was the best football game I've seen all year.
0: I think the Niners are a good football team. I'm not going to say that they're not a good football team, but after watching that game, it confirmed what we already knew. What I already knew, I should say. Or what I thought I knew. Let's be fair. I don't know things that nobody else knows. George Kittle did not participate in that game at all. And Emmanuel Sanders was out before the first half. And the offense totally fell apart. We had talked about this last week. We had talked about putting Russell Wilson against, I guess I don't remember who it was against. But we picked Russell Wilson because he's an MVP candidate, a legitimate MVP candidate.
1: Oh, it was this, we, were, we had the playoff bracket and it was uh, Seattle going to San Francisco in the playoffs. And we were talking about because that was also the Monday night game.
0: I think they'll win that game again. The only problem is, by the way, Seattle comes out afterwards and says, we figured them out. We heard what they were saying, and we understood their language, and so we knew what was coming. And the second half, yeah, idiots. One of the worst parts of human beings is when you know something, you want to share that with somebody. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things that you just have got to keep to yourself. Yeah. Because here's what's going to happen. It's going to be one of two things happen. They're going to meet up again, and the San Francisco 49ers aren't paying attention to what's going on out there. Or they are paying attention. And all of a sudden, those calls that we thought we had figured out now mean something different. And now we know nothing. So this is going to be an interesting rematch. I think it will be another rematch. I think that San Francisco's the better. I mean, I'm sorry. I think that Seattle is the better team. I think that Russell Wilson's the better quarterback. I think that Chris Carson's the better running back. I think that Pete Carroll's the better head coach. But I do think, a little part of me thinks that that one little confession is enough to stop Seattle from beating them again.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I was just looking at the schedule. They're in the same division. So uh, 49ers go to Seattle in week 17 this year. Last week of the season, now it looks like it's a four twenty five game, but that'll be a good one. Anyways, uh, Arizona's going to San Fran this week with uh, Emmanuel Sanders' injury. I haven't heard a update on that yet. Is he, you know, obviously playing this week or? I've seen he's got bruised ribs. Uh, sounds typically that's a week or two.
0: Yeah, and then they play through the pain. <laughs>
1: And it, you never know. He could get hit again and come out the next game. I feel like the offense is going to struggle a little bit for San Fran. Arizona's shown that they can put up points. So I think Arizona is going to cover. Uh, they might even make uh, San Fran play a little keep up early in the game. You never know. But- That's exactly what's happening.
0: You nailed it. San Francisco has gone from the undefeated team to the team that has to keep up. Because now they have New Orleans, they have Seattle. They have Dallas. They have Green Bay. They have all these teams breathing down their throats. If San Francisco doesn't get that bye week, they're gonna be in a lot of trouble. That's a much harder path to success. I don't think, I think I'm ready to say after one loss that San Francisco's not who we thought they were. I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with saying that San Francisco's not who I thought they were. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.